Ross FM 94.6 Broadcasting around the world on the World Wide Web Listen in online at rossfm.ie Tune in to Note Self on Ross FM 94.6, presented by Adam O'Dwyer. Note Self is on the airways every Friday between 10 and 11 a.m. Tune in on rossfm.ie forward slash live. That's Note Self, presented by Adam O'Dwyer, on the airways every Friday between 10 and 11 a.m. Only on Ross FM 94.6. Good morning, you're listening to Ross FM. This is Note to Self. I'm Adam Odoir and I will be with you for the next hour, so stay tuned. If you do miss any of our shows and you want to catch up thanks to Anchor FM, you can do so by listening to the podcast version, which comes out just a couple days after the show airs. Hope you're excited for the weekend. We'll be playing a little bit of Florence and the Machine in just a moment. But before we get into that, I just want to give you an update on some progress that's been made by one of the guests that we had on the show a few weeks back. If you are a regular listener, then you might remember that we have had the co-founders of Stalking Ireland both on the show a couple of times. In case you're completely unfamiliar, they are Stalking Ireland is an organization that offer support to people who find themselves the victim of stalking and they're currently campaigning for the introduction of standalone anti-stalking legislation in Ireland following on from the introduction of similar laws in the across the UK. To explain it a little bit better than I can, here is a clip from an interview that I did with Unari. There is no law at the moment against stalking, there's only a law against harassment. Um, so like harassment is somebody who's like pestering somebody who's constantly messaging them like in my case um i was being harassed by a co-worker um for six weeks via messaging text messages whatsapp messages phone calls and then it escalated to stalking um when he came to my house he he spray painted my car he spray painted my house windows he left letters on my car window and then he came back with um a rape kit and a crowbar in, in the early hours of one morning and he was arrested. So like that's, that, that, there's a very big difference. I suppose the end game of somebody who's harassing somebody is different to the end game of a stalker. Like the, the end game of a stalker is, is usually rape or murder. That's usually what it, it will escalate to. Whereas harassment, it's, it's just, I suppose, interfering in their day-to-day life and just being a nuisance and, you know, that kind of a way. But stalking is, is a lot more sinister. He was um, charged with um, two counts of criminal damage for the house and the car, being in possession of housebreaking implements, um, harassment from February 2020 to July 2020, and attempted burglary um, with intent to commit rape. Um, and he admitted his guilt to all these charges. But had there been a standalone crime for stalking, all of those would have culminated in the one charge. The Minister for Justice and... Um, and the government, they don't want. They don't want to change. They don't want the standalone stalking law. They, they said that what they have under harassment is 
is is enough. But it's it's not like really. It really, really isn't. Like it's, they're complete. They're two very, very different offences. And like it's even it's even down as an aggravated form of harassment. But even at that, like it's not harassment. It's stalking. It's a completely different situation that you find yourself in. And like as I said, like I had both. I had the harassment first and the stalking later. But like Eve, it just went purely to stalking. Like Igor never. Um, contacted Eve by phone or, or, or message. He, he just was a pure stalker. He was in her bushes watching where she was going. And you know, so there has to be a law against stalking. Like it's 2021. Like we're we're years behind the UK. You know, like they they ha- they have a stalking law in for for a long time. So it's it's just it's badly needed. But the the government are saying that what they have is adequate. But I disagree <laughs> strongly. You know, so we're just going to have to try and change their minds. That was a clip from the time we had Una Ring, the co-founder of Stocking Ireland, on the show. If you are interested in listening to the full interview, you can download the podcast version on Spotify, Google Podcasts and most other major podcasting outlets. And that, once again, is thanks to Anchor FM. At the end of that clip, Una mentioned that she is going to have to change the government's mind. And the reason why I'm bringing this up today is that they are moving ahead with the that they're moving ahead with the bill to introduce this standalone anti-stalking law into Ireland. On Wednesday of this week, Senator Lisa Chambers brought the non-fatal offences against the person bill to the second stage of the Shannon. This bill clearly defines stalking as repeated unwanted behavior that occurs as a result of fixation or obsession and causes alarm, distress or harm to the victim and to provide for related matters. In case you haven't heard the full interviews that I did with the two co-founders of Stalking Ireland, and if it wasn't clear from the clip I played a moment ago, the main issue is that both of those women suffered from stalking and at the moment the legislation falls under harassment law which doesn't accurately convey the impact that being stalked has on someone and isn't an accurate portrayal of the events that either of these women went through. Hopefully in the next couple of weeks we'll be able to speak to Una and Eve again and get even more of an update. But to kick us off this week, here is Shake It Out by Florence and the Machine. Enjoy. Regrets collect like old friends Here to relive your darkest moments I can see no way, I can see no way And all of the ghouls come out to play And every demon wants his pound of flesh but I like to keep some things to myself I like to keep my shoes drawn It's always darkest before the
Welcome back. Happy Friday. That was Florence and the Machine. You are listening to Note to Self on Ross FM with me, Adam O'Dwyer. Join me every Friday from 10am right here on Ross FM. You would have to be living under one hell of a rock not to know that over the last 18 months, how people have worked has dramatically shifted from in-office work to working largely from home where possible. And this week has seen the return of many people to the office. And even for those of us who have worked in an office for the entire duration of the pandemic, the return of a lot of morning and evening traffic. Personally, I find the most interesting thing about it is that the the level of mixed emotions about returning to work, with a lot of people preferring to avoid the commute entirely and opt to continue working from home. In fact, in the office building that I work in, we've so far had no one return to the office. Now, this is likely going to change over the next few weeks or months, but it seems that a lot of the people who have been working from home during the pandemic would now rather either continue working from home completely or maybe opt for some sort of hybrid model where they have the opportunity to work from home some days and then come into the office for a couple of days a week. There seems to be a lot of factors that are contributing to this, including travel expenses, commute times, and also the expense of childcare. On Monday, the Irish Times ran a piece where they spoke to a number of different people who were returning to the office, and it really highlighted the wide variety of different views that people have. They spoke to a man who, for one, was shocked by the lack of people who were taking public transport in, but was also really happy to return to the office and really happy to meet his co-workers again for the first time in over a year, in almost two years, effectively. Um, And then they also, one thing I found really interesting is they had an interview with a woman who wishes that she could continue working from home permanently. And one of the things that she actually said about the social aspect of working from home was that she found it much more easy uh, to relate to her co-workers through the video calls because essentially everyone was sitting around doing these video calls from their living room instead of, as she described them, clinical boardrooms. And that's something that made the entire experience less intimidating for her. The main flaw for that particular person was actually the lack of exercise um, in, involved in working from home. That is not the narrative that we usually see associated with working from home. And in fact, as someone who, as I said, has worked in the office for the entire pandemic, one thing that I thought that everyone would be really excited for about returning to the office was that social aspect. And I find it really interesting to think that there are people out there who are finding it easier to interact socially with their co-workers during the pandemic. And maybe it's because I don't work in an overly formal office that I'm not necessarily coming up against that particular issue. That being said, there was also another person featured in the Irish Times piece 
who very similar to me actually described that they didn't notice anyone extra coming into the office this week but in fact they believe that going into the office provides them at least with a better work-life balance which is something to keep in mind because I know for myself anyway if I did have the ability to do work at home I would probably spend a lot more time doing work than I do now when I can leave the office at the end of the day. The journal.ie also ran a really interesting article about what has been described as the mass return to the office. They spoke to a man who was hesitant to return to the office because his wife has medical conditions and he's nervous about potentially bringing an infection home. They also spoke to an employment lawyer who advised that employers who try to force employees to return to the office may actually face legal action. I'm going to read you a quote that they got from this lawyer. There are going to be employees who say, I'm just not comfortable coming back. Someone coming and saying, look, I suffer from asthma, for example, or I have a child who suffers from asthma. I'm not comfortable traveling into work on public transport and coming into an office where I don't know if people are vaccinated or not. What employers are going to have to do in that situation is A, have regard to the public health guidance, but B, they're going to have to respond reasonably. The employer will need to engage in a reasonable fashion with the employee and equally the employee will need to articulate the specific challenge and issue and together the employee and employer are going to have to work out a solution but a solution will not in the short term be a directive to return to the office for an employee who is unwilling to do so on medical grounds. It is probably important to note as well that just because the restrictions are easing enough to allow people to re-enter the office this doesn't mean that we are able to get rid of all of the the guidelines the the two meter distance um and all of the the other precautions that everyone has been taking over the last 18 months but also something else that was confirmed by the government is that an employer has no right to ask for the vaccination status of an employee. I'm sure everyone listening has their own opinions on the, the vaccines and whether or not you get the vaccine is a personal choice. And with all of the public health guidelines still in place, it's probably better for employers to phase it is probably better for employers to take a more staggered approach to people returning to the office. So maybe not too long down the line, we'll have things moving a little bit more normally than they have in quite a while. We are going to take a short break now, but don't go anywhere because there's still plenty more to come. You're listening to Note to Self on Ross FM with me, Adam O'Dwyer. Revolution Laundry self-service 18kg revolution laundry machine can wash and dry your bedding, curtains, outdoor furniture, throws, car covers or mats for as little as 10 euro. We are located all across Ireland in mainly large supermarkets and forecourts. 
find your nearest Revolution Laundry machine on our website www.revolutionlaundry.ie Don't miss out on our Facebook giveaway to win a week worth of free washing. Revolution Laundry is partnered with Tesco, Circle K, Supervalue, Apple Green and independent sites. Our machines are for domestic use only. This product is for over 18 existing adult smokers and vapors only as it contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive substance. Nordic spirit is all around us because we are always ready for action, which is why we enjoy Nordic spirit nicotine pouches. With no smoke, no vapor and no tobacco, they are ready when we are. For adventure or chill time, for day or night, for whenever you want to make a good moment great. Nordic Spirit, in smooth mint or berry citrus. It's the Nordic way to enjoy nicotine. Follow us on Instagram at Nordic Spirit underscore IE. Are you home improving this year? Tracy Decor is a leading supplier of top best quality brands in Roscommon Town and beyond. We pride ourselves in both our customer service and product offering, which range from all things paint to one of the largest wallpaper ranges in the west of Ireland. We are major sockets of the leading paint manufacturers in Europe and the UK. These include Colortrend, Dulux, Fleetwood, Crown, French Sheet and many more. Why not call in and speak to a member of our team today for more information. That's at Tracy Decor, Roscommon. Circle K, a convenience store offering a wide variety of products for people on the go. If you're looking for a great cup of coffee, a cold beverage, or fresh food on the go, then why not stop off at Casey's Circle K, Roscommon. We have premium quality fuels and excellent car washes. So for all your customer needs, pop in to Circle K every day. If you're a local group or club, Roscommon PPN is there to help you. If you are a member of a local group or club that wants to join others in working for the well-being of the people of County Roscommon, then joining Roscommon Public Participation Network can help you through sharing information, capacity building, communicating effectively with the County Council and influencing local government policy and services. Your group can join the 320 others already registered. For more information or to join, log on to www.roscommonppn.ie or call 090-66-66735. This is Martina Dockery from the Mixed Bag Music Show. I'm just dropping by to let you know about an exciting opportunity to advertise on RossFM 94.6 and on our website, rossfm.ie. Have your ad on the air this week and remind Roscommon that you are open for business. Take advantage of our competitive rates and submit your application today at rossfm.ie forward slash advertise. So do it today. We're waiting to hear from you. RossFM supporting local business.
See you standing, honey, with his arms around your body, laughing, but the joke's not funny at all. And it took you five whole minutes to pack us up and leave me with it, holding all this love out here in the hall. I think I've seen this film before. And I didn't like the ending You're not my homeland anymore So what am I defending now? You were my town Now I'm in exile seeing you out I think I've seen this film before Seeing you out 
I was told I had mild cognitive impairment. That didn't sound so bad. As I was crossing the car park, I met the original nurse who had assessed me, who apologized for not being with me for the diagnosis. I told her I was fine and thanked her. And again, she apologized. And in that moment, I realized that either I hadn't heard something or something hadn't been said. And I asked her straight out, are you telling me I have Alzheimer's? And the answer was yes. My mum, Kate, uh, wasn't told that she had dementia because in her case it wasn't clear cut and it was difficult to diagnose. When I first spoke to the public health nurse, I was told that I couldn't get any services until my mum was diagnosed clearly. That was a severe blow and I remember thinking we were on our own here. As a healthcare professional, uh, sometimes it can be extremely difficult to disclose a diagnosis of dementia to a patient. Sometimes you're just not confident 
about making the diagnosis and sometimes it simply isn't clear who should be disclosing the diagnosis. Is it the GP? Is it the geriatrician? Is it the psychogeriatrician? Or, or perhaps it's the neurologist? I wasn't surprised when I got my diagnosis because for a long time I knew something was wrong. The doctor said there's a little bit of dementia there. And even though I didn't know much about the condition, I knew it was more than a little. My mum, Nora, was diagnosed with a rare form of dementia called posterior cortical atrophy after years of tests. So in a way, it was a relief for her and for us to get the diagnosis. But then we were just given a one-page sheet and we left the hospital that day with no idea where to turn for support. So as a community-based healthcare professional, there is support out there for you too. Uh, the Dementia Pathways website is a resource that helps you after the diagnosis of dementia is made to guide and support patients and their families. Because my father also had Alzheimer's disease and I recognised the early signs um, and that's probably why I deferred going to the doctor for a few years. When I finally did go to see a GP, they weren't sure of a positive diagnosis so I decided to go directly to a memory clinic and I was given excellent care and attention there. Even though it was heartbreaking to hear those words, I would have preferred to have been told straight out that I had dementia. For me, not using the word gives it more power and adds to the stigma, the stigma that we are trying to fight against. In many cases, you may have a long-standing relationship with the patient and their family, and oftentimes you're really concerned about how the diagnosis might impact upon them. Families need information as to where they can go for support and we feel that no one should leave the doctor's office or hospital without the Alzheimer's Society helpline number and information about other supports out there. For us, receiving a diagnosis is not the end of a journey, it's the beginning. And you can make a huge difference to how that journey begins. Please visit our websites. Welcome back, I'm Adam O'Dwyer and you're listening to Note to Self on Ross FM. You can find me every Friday morning from 10am right here on Ross FM. And if you miss any of the shows and do want to catch up, thanks to Anchor FM, you can find us on most major podcasting outlets, including Spotify and Google Podcasts. During the break, we had songs by Paramore and Taylor Swift. But what you've just heard there is a clip released from the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland talking to people about being diagnosed with dementia as well as some of the stigmas and lack of information surrounding that experience. The reason why I'm bringing this up today is that on the 21st of September we had World Alzheimer's Day. It was estimated in 2018 that approximately 55,000 people in Ireland were suffering from Alzheimer's and oftentimes the people diagnosed with Alzheimer's or dementia and their families are not aware of the resources that are available to them. So I did want to bring some attention to the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland and the resources that they provide. 
but also even though World Alzheimer's Day has passed and you may or may not have gotten to take part in any of the events that took place, there is still time because there are still things happening. For example, uh, the Donegal Virtual Cafe, which takes place on the 27th of September between 2 and 3 p.m. There are two guest speakers. There's Louise Sturrett, who is the Senior Speech and Language Therapist of the HSE, and Neve Condon, who is a dysphagia chef. Uh, dysphagia is basically difficulty in swallowing, which is something that is common with people with Alzheimer's when it progresses to a certain degree. So the topic is actually about eating and swallowing difficulties and with advice on some recipes that are designed to be easy to swallow for people who may be getting to that stage of the disease. For information on how to attend, please email Donegal Virtual Cafe at alzheimers.e. Again, that is Donegal Virtual Cafe at alzheimers.e for information on how to attend the virtual cafe. There is a stigma around being diagnosed with Alzheimer's and it could be because it is a neurodegenerative illness, but it, we don't often hear from people who are suffering from the illness about what their experience is like as the disease progresses. Possibly the most famous example of someone speaking about living with Alzheimer's was famous was author Terry Pratchett who has since passed but did a documentary where he spoke about his experiences living with Alzheimer's. He also completed a number of interviews speaking about living with the disease. I'm going to play you a clip from one of them now in which he compares being di diagnosed with Alzheimer's with being diagnosed with something like cancer. Have a listen. I was diagnosed with PCA about 11 months ago now. In fact, I was diagnosed with Alzheimer's because that's how I, how I heard it. I thought it could be worse, it could be my wife. And that was how I saw it initially. I got mine because I went back, I was misdiagnosed initially. I was told I hadn't got uh, any real problem with my head at all, maybe some loss of brain cells. I felt very alone because I thought if I'd had cancer, for example, there would be some path, some, you know, you get the specialist, you do the tests. And with, with, um, with uh, cancer, hope exists. And when you've got cancer, you are a brave battler against the disease. Um, when you've got Alzheimer's, you're an old fart. That's how society seems to see it. Uh, and uh, so I felt quite alone. Really given up driving because of the way PCA, PCA affects your, how can I put it? Your visual acuity, your, your grasp of the topology of things. You don't want to watch me deal with a revolving door, not a glass revolving door where the glass is coming towards you and away from you. you know, my topographical mapping of the situation gets somewhat strained. On the other hand, that leaves me entirely capable of still saying things like my topographical situation. <laughs> it, 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 
PCA leaves you gobby, and that means that you can conceal, at least in the early stages, all the other little problems that the disease brings. You can talk your way out of them. If you are glib, it's amazing what you can make people believe, and you can make them believe that you're quite healthy. Um, I'm very good at, at when I'm talking to people to uh, sorry, very good at, at, at spotting the problem where the uh, the problem is going to come up when I've forgotten their name, for example, or the word I'm looking for. But then you work out how to steer the sentence in such a way that you've got around that problem. It, it's it's the end game that people dread, and that's what I'm scared of. I suspect that if, if we don't defeat Alzheimer's, or at least bring it to heal, it will defeat us. For anyone who isn't familiar with his work, Terry Pratchett famously wrote many, many fantasy novels, including 41 in his most famous Discworld series. He was diagnosed with Alzheimer's in 2007, and he passed away in 2015. The type of Alzheimer's that Terry Pratchett was diagnosed with is a PCA, which is a rare variant of the disease. Effectively, it's a, a visual variation of Alzheimer's. Uh, you would have heard in the clip there, he described things like his spatial reasoning and his um, visual proce processes. Uh, which would have been targeted by by the disease. It's rare to find examples of people speaking so openly about their experience with Alzheimer's, and that is something that Terry Pratchett did throughout his journey. So I do urge you to watch the doc, the BBC documentary, which focused on his journey living with Alzheimer's. If you or anyone that you know is affected by Alzheimer's, please do check out some of the resources that are available from the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland. If you visit their website, alzheimers.ie, you'll find that they actually have a, a range of different supports, including social groups, um, which are actually divided by county. You can go in, put in your county and find groups that are near you. There are also daycare services, home care services, uh, respite care, and so many other services that you can avail of if, if needed. There is also a helpline. Another thing that they actually have on the website, if for anyone who might be interested, is the option to volunteer. Whether or not you know someone who has been affected by Alzheimer's or not, Volunteering gives you the opportunity to really enrich someone's life and really help a very, very worthwhile cause. So if that is something that you're interested in, please do check out the, the volunteer section on the website. Again, for anyone who might just be joining us, that website is alzheimers.e and that's for the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland. That is actually all the time that we have for today. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you have an absolutely fantastic weekend and best of luck if you are returning to work or you know what, good luck as well if you have decided to continue working from home. 
I will be back with you at the same time next week. That is Friday mornings from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Again, if you do like the show, if you miss it and you do want to catch up, all of the previous shows are available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and so many other places where you can download podcasts. As always, I'm going to leave you with some music to get your weekend started on the right foot. So here is Bruno Mars, Leave the Door Open. Enjoy.
Had till day morning, jumped out of bed and put on my best suit. Got in my car, raced like a jet all the way to you. Knocked on your door with heart in my head to ask you a question. 'Cause I know that you're an old-fashioned man. Can I have your daughter for the rest of my life? Say yes, say yes, 'cause I need to know. You say I'll never get your blessing till the day I die.
Tune in on rossfm.ie forward slash live. That's Note Yourself presented by Adam O'Dwyer on the airways every Friday between 10 and 11am. Only on Ross FM 94.6.